Hello, welcome to the Radiate Podcast. We're here to connect, encourage, and empower you to radiate the message of Jesus to yourself, your neighbors, and the world. I'm your host, Steve Presswood. My guest today is Mitch Williamson, and I'm on the phone with him. Mitch is in campus ministry with us at Oklahoma State. Welcome to the show, Mitch. Thanks, Steve. I'm glad to be here. So, Mitch, we've already heard from your wife, Jaylene, in a podcast that we published last week a little bit about you, but if you would, tell our listeners some more about yourself, please. Sure. Well, I was born at a very young age in Ohio. My folks owned and operated a restaurant for about 42 years, so I love being around food. I became a follower of Jesus during my freshman year of college, uh, mainly because of two men that God strategically placed in my life. One was on staff with the Navigators. His name was Corey Garris. And the other was a fellow dorm mate and my best friend, Matt Brancatelli. And they introduced me to Jesus Christ. Jaylene might have mentioned some of this, but I'm married. Uh, we've been married for almost 13 years. And we have three children. Joshua Jay is eight. Rebecca Rose is six. And Ezra Daniel is three. Uh, and I was for vacations. I know some people like beaches or mountains. And I'll take both. Especially if it's paid for. I like... Southeast Asian food. If we're going out to eat, let's go to one of those kind of restaurants. Chinese, Thai, uh, Vietnamese, you name it. And I prefer the New American Standard Bible for studying <laughs> because it's uh, the Navigator All-Star Bible. <laughs> okay. Mitch, would you tell us uh, some more about what it's like <clears throat> being the staff trainer for our campus? It's fun. Uh, it is a privilege and a joy to get to develop our young staff. I think one of the values I see and what I do is I have dedicated energy towards training those staff. Well, Steve, as you know, there are a lot of demands on a campus director. So uh, that's what I used to do before coming out to Oklahoma State. So some of the, so if you're not familiar with that job and you're listening and you don't know what that is, there's tons of stuff. So like, for instance, a liaison with the university, all communication with the university goes through the campus director. One of the chief decision makers, people are constantly sending texts and emails asking for Small things and big things. Uh, your shepherd to the staff, making sure everybody's good to go, um, solving conflict problems, um, encouraging the ones that are hurting, shepherding students, coordinating nav nights, setting up speakers, Bible study coordinator, your regional liaison. So there's lots of tasks that our region asks us to do, to be in, in contact with. There's missions, summer training programs. So there's a lot of hats, lots and lots of behind the scenes stuff that an average student probably would not see, um, and that's okay. So part of my job is taking a load off of the campus director so that the campus director can focus on some of those other things that are requiring their attention. Staff training, as wonderful as it is, is a big time commitment. To do it well is a pretty big time commitment. I love getting to be able to do that. I do other things. I don't just train staff, but it is uh, definitely the main rock in my rock pile. So you would be able to spend a heck of a lot more time doing the direct work of campus ministry, ministering to students. If you weren't having to do this uh, staff trainer job, I'm curious why you think uh, there's value here. Why would we even put somebody in a role like that? Uh, what is the distinct advantage of having a campus trainer? Yeah, good question. And I actually get asked this by people who uh, support us, financially support us. I, well, I don't get why do you invest there 
you know, staff aren't coming to Christ. They're already believers. Yeah, they get discipled, but uh, but the reality is, uh, in the Navigators, we're looking at training disciple makers, building up disciple makers, not just disciples. We want to help staff have the convictions and calling to abide with Christ for the rest of their life and to lead others in abiding in Christ and then lead up movements to lead others to abide in Christ for the rest of their life. So to do that, it does take a considerable time investment to set those th things into place. Whereas I could just do that, it's better use of my time to help these young staff get those basic convictions and some skills to learn how to do that for the rest of their life. What's it been like for you to work from home for the past couple of weeks? <laughs> so I struggle with the deficit part of the attention deficit disorder. <laughs> no, I struggle. I'm sorry. I struggle with attention <laughs> deficit of the hyperactivity attention deficit disorder, whatever that is. So it's been pretty distracting. Now, that's not who I am, but I do get distracted very easily. And I know that about myself. So Squirrel. Yes. <laughs> yeah, if you've seen the movie Up, I represent that dog, Doug, very well, I think so. <laughs> um, but what happens is I can get hyper-focused on things. And so something will distract me, and then I get hyper-focused on it where I'm just I'm zeroed into this thing. And it's not necessary. I, I can zoom out. I need to back up and say, okay, what was I walking into this room for? What was I planning for? What scripture was I supposed to be looking up? Um, but now that I'm at home, I do get a lot more distracted with, with my kids, whom I love very much. What's nice, though, is if I'm taking a break from work or I'm between things, you know, I've got a half an hour between things or an hour or something like that, I can go play with my kids. Uh, I can go take a bike ride with them in the neighborhood. So I've been loving that. Hmm. We've gone some, on some adventures, you know, just yeah. in our neighborhood. Okay. Crazy question. If you, I'm ready. Everything in your house had to be one color. What color would you choose? Well, I don't know all the color palette that there is in the world, so I'm my vocabulary probably needs to increase in that area. I would say light blue. Maybe sky blue or some other descriptor is better, but uh, just some type of a calming color, something that looks clean. It'd be my, my thought. If it's black or dark, I think I would just, for some, I don't think that would help me. <laughs> I came into marriage with an awareness of maybe just the primary colors. Yes. So being married to Cindy, who is really sharp at that kind of thing, has been an eye-opener for me, literally. Nice. She's taught me that there are a range of colors outside of red, blue, green, and purple, and so <laughs> forth. So, yeah, I have some things now in my color palette that Good. I didn't know about before. Good. <laughs> Great. Well, let me ask you some serious questions. What do you sense that God has been teaching you over the past few weeks? So we're still in quarantine. In fact, mm -hmm. the president just issued an order recently that said uh, we can expect to be quarantined or at least in a kind of uh, social distancing phase of trying to keep the COVID-19 spread under control until the end of April. So what's God been teaching you through this stuff in the past few weeks? So, man, I've just been thinking about how one of the main priorities of my life has to be trusting God. So one thing I do struggle with is people-pleasing. Uh, and what I mean by that is I find like a sense of maybe comfort or peace in the perception that others enjoy my company or see me as a friend. So you know, if there's no problems in my relationship, if there's no conflicts, then yeah, I feel 
I'm okay. I'm doing great. And the reality, of course, is that's never possible in all of my relationships. There's conflict. There's little conflicts. There's big conflicts. And I know a lot of people. Um, and I love people. So there's that's just bound to, to happen. So I'm spending a lot of time with a person I... I, I had a ceremony with, invited a lot of friends and family and promised to be best friends with this person. It's my wife. And so that level of intimacy, where it's good, there there's stuff that's coming out still where I'm like trying to please her or avoid certain topics. And uh, God is teaching me yet again how to trust him in this new season. Yeah. So because we're around each other so much. I think the, the huge takeaway, I'm going to read First uh, Thessalonians chapter 2. Paul and Silas and Timothy uh, reached out to this group of people in Thessalonica. And people came to Christ. Now they're writing a letter. Paul's writing a letter to them. And he heard about their faith and he's excited. And he's trying to tell them, hey, here's what we did. Just so you know, in case you weren't aware, here's what we did. And I think he did that for several reasons, but that'll be for another discussion. So, well, let's start. Uh, chapter 2, verse 3 says, for our teaching does not come from error and purity of our way of deceit, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God who examines our hearts. For we never came with flattering speech, as you know, or with a pretext for greed. God is witness, nor did we seek the glory from men, either from you or from others. So that was their that was their stance. You know, they're not doing this. Because they're hoping to please people, because they're hoping to get likes or a following. Uh, they're doing this because they've been entrusted by God to do this, to witness to these people, disciple them, and build them up. And that's how I want my interactions uh, with the relationships that I have in my life. Because there are times where we, well, I'll say for me, there's times in my life where I need to tell someone something very difficult. But it is for their best interest. Uh, I'm not going to do that if I'm worried about what they think about me. Um, that's a very selfish focus view uh, of that relationship. But if I really care about them, I will tell them the truth. I will tell them uh, what they need to hear, not just what they want to hear. I don't have to be mean about it. Of course, there's styles and there's ways to do that. But uh, this whole theme is kind of wrapping up in me trusting God first. God, is this what you're leading me to do? Is this what you're leading me to say? Is this who I am. Um, and from that, that's where I stand. So if I'm in good standing with the Lord, then it doesn't matter if my other relationships are free from conflict. If they're laden with conflict or free from conflict, my relationship with God is good, then I have a stronger sense of security with him. And so I thought I learned this lesson. Honestly, I thought I learned this lesson. Um, I've been a Christian almost 18 years. I thought I learned this one almost 19 years. I thought I've already learned this one a couple times. But uh, he continues to take me a little bit deeper and a little bit deeper in it. I'm definitely happy for that. That's what I've been learning just recently. Sure, that's great. In some ways, I think we have uh, been too focused, all of us as individuals, maybe even on this podcast, on things that are specific to what's going on, the current state of affairs, and I was reminded in something that one of our staff said this morning that uh, Jesus, when he's in the boat sleeping, when his disciples are uh, freaking out over the wind and the waves being totally out of control, mm -hmm. got up at their request and stilled the storm, 
And then he basically said to them, where's your faith? Mm. And I think uh, the question I ask myself is, why are you looking so much at the storm? And I want us to be careful that we don't, any of us as individuals, those of us who know Christ, keep our eyes too fixed on the current state of affairs uh, mm -hmm. because it causes us to lose perspective, lose focus on what really is essential in life. Yes. Mitch, uh, what opportunities do you see for students to minister to each other given the current constraints of a quarantine? Good question. I think something to consider is the student, any student is not alone right now. Uh, this is not enjoyable for anyone. So there is a certain kind of privilege in experiencing what every other student is experiencing. People are experiencing it differently, but no one is enjoying this fully. And so because that's there, this is a great opportunity to connect on a deeper level with peers, classmates, close friends, distant friends, roommates, um, even family members to ask how are they thinking about their life right now. When something like this happens, uh, one of my uh, old mentors used to call this the suddenlies of life. It just suddenly happens and now where everything changes. Um, happens with illness or death, um, you know, circumstance like this, something very abrupt, it causes people to, to think more introspectively about themselves. Now, it's easy to run away to escape, watch TV or Netflix or game or whatever. There's, there's ways to escape that, but I think everyone is feeling that. Uh, uh, one of my atheist friends calls it existential dissonance a questioning about who we are and where we fit in this world. So if I was a student, I would be asking my peers casually, but uh, intentionally, how are you thinking about your life right now? What do you think is going to happen? What's the future look like for you? Um, death is not the enemy for Christians. And so uh, for Christian students that are listening, I think asking people what they think is going to happen when they die. It's going through people's minds. They are thinking about it. They just may not be voicing it. Um, actually, um, Gen Z humor it can be pretty dark. And so there's uh, some memes out there that are extremely, ext I would consider extremely dark about dying, wishing for death. And people kind of kick back and laugh about it. But the reality is that is a thought that some people are having. So... Um, to just go there. So whether they die from COVID-19 or natural causes in 50 years, I think this is the kind of unique situation we're in where people are asking themselves those kinds of questions. So yeah. I would say, don't just ask it uh, and think about it. Ask out loud um, in a text, group chat, uh, in your household with your family members, just say, hey, you know, this is random, but what do you think? Uh, and I think it's a great opportunity to, to talk about the Lord and and if you're not certain yourself to, to find some answers for that right now. Hmm. Thank you. Um, in closing, what word of advice or encouragement would you give to our podcast audience? Man, I would say if you're a person that has any kind of training in how to connect with God through reading the scriptures and prayer, I would just encourage you to take opportunity to practice what you know. Uh, do it. It doesn't always have to be a fireworks show. 
uh, and just amazing. There's a bush that's on fire and you're Moses and you have to take off your sandals because it's so overwhelming and powerful. Not every quiet time is like that. Uh, for me, very few are like that. But that consistency of meeting with Christ on a regular basis really does build our faith. It's a slow fade. I watch people slowly fade out of believing in Christ. And as I ask them about their devotional life, it's the number one thing that goes. Um, and they can trace in general. They're like, oh yeah, I think I'm not close with God because... I said, when was the last time you had a quiet time? Boy, I don't even know. I said, days, weeks, months? they like, months. I think it's just a good habit to to be connected with the Lord. So uh, my encouragement is if you have any kind of training with that, as soon as this podcast is over, maybe even right now, just pull out your phone and look and see when in the, when can I make a plan to get time with him? You know, if we make a plan for it, it's more likely to happen. Uh, an old mentor friend of mine, Bruce Doss, he would tell me, if I'm going to have a morning quiet time, the victory happens the night before when I set my alarm. So I can't expect to wake up and have a quiet time if I don't plan ahead uh, in the, the following evening. And I'd also say, so if you're a person, you're like, oh, I'm listening. I don't know how to do that. I've never learned how to do that. I've heard people talk about it. Uh, would you reach out to us? Uh, we have some resources. We'd love to train you on how to do that. Simple. We've got a lot of experience. The staff do. A lot of student leaders do. Reach out. We'd, we'd love to show you how to do that. It's, it doesn't have to take very long. But those results... Man, it's just, it's priceless. It really is priceless. If I think about the ways I've grown in my faith, the number one input has been this method of meeting regularly with Jesus. Yes, I've had mentors like Steve, uh, Bruce, I mentioned, these other guys that led me to Christ. Yeah, they were huge, but it's actually been God teaching me through my quiet time that has been the number one way I've grown in my walk with Jesus. So I'd encourage you to take opportunity to do that. Great. Thanks for those comments. <clears throat> It's really been good to have you on the show today with me, Mitch. I really appreciate you coming. Thanks. Yeah, it's been fun. I really appreciate you sharing your time and your thoughts today with our Radiate Podcast listeners. Thank you. Yeah, it's been a blast. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to Radiate. You can continue to listen wherever you get your podcasts. You can also connect to us online at osunavs.org and on Instagram at osunavs. See you next time, and until then, keep radiating the message of Jesus.